This is In Hindsight, Half a Century of Research Discoveries in Canadian History, presented by Dr. Donald B. Smith and produced by the Ontario Historical Society. great moment today. We're discussing a very good friend of mine, and I'm very look, much looking forward to that, discussing Olive Dickinson and the writing of Indigenous history in Canada. An extraordinary scholar's contribution to our knowledge of Canadian history. Over the past decade, a revolution has occurred in perceptions of the Indigenous peoples in Canada. All of this is most welcome. And one person in the historical field has made an enormous contribution, and that's the late Olive Dickinson, through her wonderful publications, talks, contributions. Wonderful contribution indeed. And we're very lucky that Darren Prefontaine, who's with the Dumont Institute in Saskatoon, Darren has written her biography, and it's, it's very complete and very good. Recently came out. So I'm very lucky. I'm able to talk about Olive from personal experience, personal knowledge, and also this wonderful book, which an excellent book, which covers so many aspects of her life and is so well-documented, well-illustrated, well-presented. So here we go. Well, in a line... What Olive's done is she's helped Canadians see that our history was more than that of two founding peoples. There was one element, the original inhabitants, that were left out. Her best-known book, Canada's First Nations, tells that story. It's an encyclopedic work. It's gone through, well, three editions in which she was directly contributed in the fourth was after after she had to um, hand over the project to another person. But the book stands up very well. And that's what I'm going to be doing in the text. So don't expect too much of that critical commentary in the oral presentation today. Rather, it's going to be more the personal story of Olive. And we'll leave the heavy hitting, the heavy duty material for the text. So don't miss the text, please. I hope you can see that. I'll discuss her work from my vantage point. Well, Olive was born in 1920 in Winnipeg, and her early days were, were quite, well, comfortable, really. Her dad was a journalist, accountant. Uh, her mom was a school teacher, and she had a, well, it was pretty comfortable upbringing in Winnipeg. She, there were two, three girls, and uh, Olive, uh, it, it, it really was pretty good schooling and good student, all, all going well. But then the sky fell in, the depression, and her dad lost his position, and, well, they had to leave Winnipeg, support themselves on the land, and they went up to the Interlake District of Manitoba, and that's where she grew up in her teenage years. Those six or seven years in the bush in northern Manitoba were not fully known to me at all until I 
read Darren's book. But they were tough. But resilient they were indeed, because Olive's mum taught the girls how to trap, how to skin the furs, how to support themselves, and they did. So the family got through. Olive uh, was, though, frustrated. The, the, she, she was, the parents were very keen on education, but they couldn't send her off to school. No money for that. They did correspondence courses. Olive did. And she was also very fortunate. There was a, a remittance man. That was a well-educated Brit who lived near them, who had a, a very good library and subscribed to a number of publications overseas, very well-informed. And he spoke uh, many times with Olive, sort of was her tutor. So that was another, she's got her mother, a school teacher, this, this remittance man helping. Mm -hmm. And so she had a, a good education uh, on, on her own, as well as leading this outdoor life. But she desperately wanted to have a, have a full education. And this leads to the very big turning point in her life, or big opportunity comes in, in her late teenage years, when she meets Athel Murray, Father Athel Murray, in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. So I'll just briefly explain this. And I honestly, it's, it was quite uncanny. I, here I am preparing for the broadcast, and I happen to look at my diary, an old diary. I remember all of had this, we had this very deep conversation 25 years ago, and I found it in my diary. Just this is a couple of hours ago. So this is really, really Hollywood touch here. I'd like to read you what she told me on that occasion. And it goes back to October, 1995. And Olive and I were going to a historical meeting in New York State, outside of Albany, New York. And that involved, Olive had came down from Edmonton, got her connection in Calgary. I, I joined, I got on the plane in Calgary. And then we flew to Albany with a stop in Toronto. It was a six hour plane flight. Now, from my diary, <laughs> I can't believe it, but we talked the whole time about every subject imaginable. And Olive told me quite a bit about herself. She mentioned her early schooling, her, uh, well, the comfortable years in, in Winnipeg, then out in the bush, and her mother's contribution to her education, teaching her from doing, doing the high, early high school years, and the remittance man, all of this. I heard all this 25 years ago. But the real story came when I looked at Darren's book. And the turning point is this. Olive is helping the family. She's the oldest child. And they're uh, working away there and getting by barely. It's a depression. Times are tough. Um, but she wants to break out and try go to Winnipeg and see see what she can do there. Um, and she does. And it all comes about thanks to a, a job selling magazines in Western Canada. A group of, of young people, teenagers, late teenagers, were making their living by selling, by going from town to town selling newspapers. Uh, I should say magazines. And Olive was part of that group. They came near Wilcox, Saskatchewan. And she knew that at Wilcox, there was a Roman Catholic priest, Athel Murray, who had started a college, a college for uh, uh, kids who wanted an education but didn't have any opportunity to do so. And she had the opportunity to meet Athel Murray, and an arrangement was made. And this is the turning point in her life. Athel Murray uh, made an arrangement with the, the 
the, 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 there was a, con, a, a neighboring convent, a convent which helped with the school, and he was able to get, Olive could help at the convent, and she'd get boarding, and her education would be paid for at, at the school, so it was all set, and Olive now could get a college education. She applied herself with every every possible talent she had, she and she got her B.A. from Notre Dame College, which is affiliated with the University of Ottawa, in the early 1940s, and this is this this is it. She gets her education and um, doesn't look back from that. When she was in the bush, again, Darren, thank you very much. She began to she was doing writing. She's writing about animals and life in the bush and all this as a as a schoolgirl, uh, really. And and she had then this love of writing. Well, in after graduation from Wilcox, uh, Notre Dame College, she went to Regina. And there, because of her writing ability, and she'd done a couple of stories even when she was at, at the college, she got a job with the uh, Regina Leader Post. And that becomes her entree into journalism. And that becomes her career. Well, almost, well, for two decades. So she begins writing. And it, it's in Winnipeg that... Um, she had this, she loved making stories. She also loved art. And, oh, I can tell you about that, because when I visited her in Edmonton, I'll, I'll come up to the Alberta section shortly. I remember her beautiful home, just just tremendously uh, attractive paintings, indigenous themes, and, oh, very, very impressive. Very, very good. So, all of them has learned in the North to hunt, trap, and handle a dog team. And now she's successful university graduate, and now a successful writer with the Regina Leader Post. Now, after that experience, Olive went on to another newspaper experience at in Winnipeg, and after that to Montreal. Now, in 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 these years, the war years, nineteen mid nineteen forties, she married, and uh, her husband was an Englishman. His name was Tony Dickinson. Uh, started off well. They were extremely uh, happy together at the beginning, but the marriage fell apart within only four years. And when they were in Winnipeg and then in Montreal, it fell apart. Her husband, Tony Dickinson, abandoned her and her two daughters. He abandoned her when she was pregnant with their third child. So what a night, uh, jeepers! This is all coming in here, Darren, from from your book, the real story, which she had not. She never talked to me at all about this. What what do we say? Lout, <laughs> her husband was oh catastrophic experience. So she's left to support the family, three children. She had to place her children, her three daughters, for several years in foster care. She just couldn't support support them by having them in, in, in their home, uh, in, in a home together. It was very, very sad, of course. Um, but Olive did get a, an opportunity a little later because her newspaper career was really going very well. And she had an opportunity to join the Globe and Mail in 1955, eventually as the woman's editor. And then as editor of the Globe magazine, which I remember from growing up in Oakville, Ontario, it was the, the Saturday supplement to the Globe and Mail. It was excellent. Olive was the editor. Well, now that she's got this higher position, she left the Montreal Gazette, now she's at the Toronto Globe and Mail, and she could reun 
reunite her family. And that's what she did. So these were happy years. She had um, got a place in Toronto and the girls were with her and um, all, was, all was going well. And she did very well, won a number of awards, um, really incredible. Well, in the early 70s, uh, plan came together. When she was in Regina, she'd met some relatives of hers, which uh, indicated to her that there was an indigenous connection they um and all of without being able to resolve it completely had the understanding that she had indigenous ancestry and this is very treacherous because it's hard to um the genealogical records are, are really unsatisfactory and they're not extremely reliable so she was unable to really come up with the the like 100% authenticity of who the relatives were, what their indigenous ancestry was, but that was something. In any ways, the importance for us in this broadcast is that it planted in her mind this idea of indigenous identity and the need to learn more about indigenous Canada. And that's what she did. Um, and it's so much so that she had the idea after leaving, uh, she was going to, she went to Ottawa. She got a job uh, with the National Gallery doing press work, publicity work for the National Gallery of Canada. Remember, she had that artistic sense? Well, this is what she's now following up. She she ran the, well, I'll say the public relations wing of the National Gallery of uh, in Ottawa uh, for several years. And at that time, she very interested in Indigenous art, but even more so, she's interested in Indigenous history and wants to, incredible, at age 50, Olive wants to begin graduate work in history, in Canadian history, in order to bring into the picture the Indigenous side, which was totally ignored, really, absolutely absent. And she applies to the University of Ottawa, is accepted. Um, eminent professor, Cornelius Janin, takes her on as an MA student. Wow, that's wonderful. She begins another career. And honestly, how gutsy indeed. She quit her well-paying job for full-time graduate work. Now, this time the girls are older and all, so it's not it's not so burdensome, but nevertheless, it's still a lot of challenges. Well, Olive completed her PhD, and it was eventually, shortly afterwards, when she completed it in the mid-1970s, it was published as The Myth of the Savage. It's a study of attitudes towards the First Nations in the French regime of Canada's history. Now, what I like about this book is the preface the dedication is to Father Athel Murray. And Olive often said that she owed her, her whole life, her whole, well, certainly her academic life to Athel Murray. Now, Olive then, uh, shortly after that, she gets a position at the University of Alberta. And that's where I met her, 1976. Remember it clearly. Um, and as you mentioned at the time, there was some Indigenous ancestry, but I, I didn't follow up and I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't, my interest was her work, which is so darn good. She came up with she's come up with a number of publications, and I'll talk about those in the in the text of this. Um, she did very well, but the big book was Canada's First Nations, and it came out. And, well, just before it came out, I should tell you what happened. She she was doing very well. She was allotted tenure at the University of Alberta, and she obtained tenure. She just turned sixty five, and then catastrophe, she's told that she must retire. Compulsory retirement was in effect. She's 65. That's it. Well, Oliver was a fighter. 
she refused to accept this and obtained funding to fight it from the professional association. And this became a co-celeb. The whole question of mandatory retirement it went all the way from the courts in Alberta, eventually reached the Supreme Court of Canada. And was this was this possible that mandatory retirement could be in effect? And all of lawyers argued it was against the human rights legislation and made the best case they could. The university opposed them. Eventually, Supreme Court of Canada refused to accept mandatory retirement uh, and subsequently all of at that point retires 72 keeps writing uh very active in the committee in fact at one stage she ran provincially for the ndp i remember talking to her about that she loved it she said oh she loved the excitement of it but uh, that was just a sideshow her real effort was again putting First Nations into the story. And her big text, the, the book that's so well-known, Canada's First Nations, came out in 1990 and went through three editions. And as I mentioned at the beginning, a fourth edition, but that her, her hand was removed from it at that stage. It, it was, the update was done by David McNabb, another scholar. So all of what's she going to do? Her uh, daughter Anne's in Ottawa. Um, uh, she's got connections with the University of Ottawa and uh, Edmonton. Well, it hasn't worked out. The University of Alberta, she's mandatory retirements in effect. So what she do, she in, in her retirement, she moves to Ottawa eventually. And there, I remember visiting her there uh, several times. We went to dinner at Zoe's at the Chateau, uh, Chateau Laurier. Uh, she was a great conversationalist, this terrific company. And uh, here she is. And now she's, well, late 70s, early 80s, and she's still writing, writing furiously and making an important contribution. Well, it, it was noticed. I mean, heavens, she won the awarded the Order of Canada in 1996, a dozen or so doctorates from universities across Canada because of her outstanding work, and a National Aboriginal Award in 1997. Really extraordinary. What a life. And as I say, the full story will come in the text. Olive was a most remarkable individual who succeeded brilliantly in placing the Indigenous peoples of Canada in the center of the story of our country's past. It's a privilege to have known her. Thank you.